Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Support WrestleTalk! Give us a subscribe. Hey everybody, I'm John Cena. Hey, it's professional wrestler Colt Boom Boom Cabana. Hey, I'm Double J Jeff here. And this is Rich Swan, Matt Riddle, the King of Rose. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Do it, bro. Support Ollie. Support Luke. Support Wrestle Talk. Support Wrestle Talk. Home of Luke Owen. Whatever Wrestle Talk is, and whoever Luke Owen is, both the Ravens. Nevermore. Wrestle Talk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Talk podcast, NXT flavored edition. I'm El Fagador Laurie Blake, and I'm joined by Adam Blompier. How's it going, mate? Not bad, mate. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Who do you think is the person in the green visor? Because that is the main talking point for today's podcast. The NXT put out a little weird promo package heading into TakeOver that someone from the main roster, it seems, an ex NXT champion, seemingly is returning to NXT with vengeance on their minds. Here's the show. There's been a little bit of a, a little <laughs> bit of a promo package on a, on WWE's YouTube as they sort of did take off to take over last night and they, they made a bunch of time matches. We'll go through the whole show in a bit. But yes, there's been this little interesting Sam Fisher-esque video package where someone wears the, the green goggles to... to just turn the lights on, mate. You know, you seem like you're there on your own. Turn the lights on. Um, and they they go in and they, they're talking about um, building the brand with their blood. And since then, there's only been paper champions. And they throw a pipe through a trophy case that had some sort of sheet over it and uh, take out one of the NXT titles saying they will return. And then a date flashes up on screen that says TakeOver. Ooh, you're like ooh, and then it's ooh. like a lot of the a lot of the rumors are it's Bo Dallas. Um, yes. so. <laughs> Which, yeah. I know I'm fine with that. It's either Bo Dallas or Bobby Roode, really, isn't it? So they've got to be an ex-champion. Could mm-hmm. be, could be, could be a lady. Could be Ember Moon. Could be Ember Moon. Um, that would be really, really exciting. I'm I'm hoping that it's um, a lady wrestler because I think that the division probably needs a bit more help. I don't know where Bo Dallas fits into the Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano era. I mean, he's great character work wise. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And Bobby Roode, like he's a, he's very good, very technical, not quite the kind of uh, work rate level that I think most people expect from a takeover main event. But yes. No Ember Moon, please. That would be, that would be marvelous. So one of the one of the little bits of sleuthing I noticed in the comments on the video was that there's there's a very brief shot at the beginning where he where the, this figure moves a like a rope out of the way and uh, like clearly the the, the the lamp on these headset that they're wearing is very bright but you can see like a, a bit of a poster and people said that's a poster from Takeover Orlando era of NXT which was when Bobby Roode won the NXT Championship from Shinsuke Nakamura. It's also when Ember Moon debuted 
of course, mm-hmm. and took on Asuka. Yeah, and I'm I'm much more hopeful for it to be. I think Ember Moon fits the kind of mood of this more. Like I, I imagine this could be like this could be a really big repackage for Bo Dallas. I don't necessarily think it would. F- it doesn't feel like it fits Robert Rude. Uh, I, I would oh, just. Wanna, it, uh, you're right. It wasn't when Ember Moon debuted. It was when she t- took on Asuka. Damn, yeah. damn, damn. Never mind. Thank you for correcting me. It was when she. It's when. It's when she lost to Asuka. Uh, the first. I think the first time. Um, but yeah, like I think Ember Moon coming back and that sort of being that would be more interesting. She in June she talked to comicbook.com and said about her uh, obviously injury to her Achilles, but she was in recovery and she was uh, doing physio to try and regain strength. There was some slight complications with that that set that back, but probably you know you kind of hope that that would have set it back maybe a couple of months it's a couple of months later and if you're doing a run-in you don't necessarily have to be in peak peak physical fitness uh having it, an ankle helps though yeah having an ankle helps <laughs> but i'm not saying she's she's not go, she's not like training for her first match you could no. you could put off her first proper nxt match until the next takeover by having this big debut it's just a really i don't know why this wasn't on nxt <laughs> in the like you know this It'll is be on next week won't it yeah, it was, it was. I thought this was really cool. It felt very like, um, uh, there's a lot of people sort of uh, conflating it in the comments with going like, oh no, more retribution. Or like, oh, <laughs> thank God somebody remembered about the SmackDown hacker. Um, but yeah, like I thought this was a really cool idea. Like it, it raises a lot of questions. There's obviously been rumors like just this week that Bobby Roode is ready for a return. So you know, maybe this is maybe this is that. Um, I would love to see Bobby Roode come back though in a sort of like like fallen glory mode, uh, sort of with a tattered gown and be like, I used to be glorious, I used to have it all, and it all slip. Like that would be the the sort of package I'd give Robbie uh, Bobby Roode to come back with. But yeah, Ember oh, Moon, no. I think this really fits. You know, what I'd like it's just Go Lee. He just he just <laughs> walks into the main roster and be like, sod this, you're all on fire. Uh, this retribution stuff is wank, and then just walks back into. They it. made me wear a t-shirt. Yeah, no, it could be. I mean, it could also be any of the retribution guys being like, "God, this is." <laughs> you want to call me what? They all come back begging to be on the Robert Stone brand, please. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do anything. <laughs> What a, what a week for wrestling. Um, I feel like that's this is going to, like, I felt like when NXT first debuted on USA and Tyler Breeze went back and then Finn Balor went back, it felt like it was kind of the floodgates opening for people to be like, please send me back to NXT, or at least do something with me. And this, yeah, this could be a kind of continuation of that theme. Um, who do you think it's most likely to be? Obviously, you, I think the hope is that it's Ember Moon. Well, so it's got to be a champion. Um, I think I think that's the, the basically the whole point of it is that I'm look I remember that when we had proper champions getting the championship belt and being just like it's time to bring back uh, I'm I'm assuming that means ex champion which does limit it to yeah Bo Dallas Big E but probably not Big E uh, obviously mm-hmm. Neville's Neville's not around um, what if it is Neville <laughs> what if it is Neville <laughs> <laughs> wow what's quietly happened is he's left AEW heist no. of the century um, I mean I would. I would lose my mind. I would lose my mind. I I think it's yeah. So in terms of like men's titles, then yeah, I, it's not Joe. I don't mm. believe. Um, and yeah, so and it's not Shinsuke. So it's either Bobby Roode, Bo Dallas, or yeah, a women's champion. Which you know, it's not gonna be Bailey. No. Um, it's not gonna be Sasha. It's not gonna be Charlotte. So it's probably gonna be Ember Moon. But that's great. Um, I, I, I'm so much up more up for seeing Ember Moon on NXT where she gets to have some proper uh, long matches like em- Ember Moon versus Io Shirai yes please, Ember Moon versus Candice LeRae, I'll take that uh, yeah I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna bet, I'm gonna bet the farm on Ember Moon yeah I, I really hope it's Ember Moon, like there's, there's too many sort of like, I feel like maybe the post is a bit of a Maybe it's a, a red herring here, and the, I feel like the kind of building the brand with your blood thing suggests it's Bo more than anyone else, because obviously, like he's what you know, he's right at the he's right at the front of uh, the NXT queue in terms of being involved in the brand. His you know his family also were like you've had Bray go through there as well and be a really big part of it. Um, I, yeah, I wonder if that's kind of all coming to play. Like I'd love it, like a sort of. Um, heal Bo Dallas with a bit more to him than like I, I loved obviously all the Bo Leave stuff was 
I do actually think really, really funny. And they got a bit lost once he ended up with Curtis Axel as the B his, team. But his heel run, like way back in like old, old NXT, like even older than yeah, Adrian Neville uh, times was really good. Like he just started out as a face, and then and, like mm. the fans hated him, so they turned him into the most wonderful, uh, obnoxious heel. Uh, like his his stuff back then was just he's such a wet fart brilliant though like the the best kind of obnoxious tit uh and i yeah i think character wise there's definitely a place for him him and johnny gargano just seeing who could out obnoxious each other god gargano is is peak obnoxious right now say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you like wrestling? Do you like improv? Do you like role-playing games? And you'll love No Rolls Barred, presented by the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Six players come together to create a fictional wrestling promotion, roll dice, and create the kind of insanity that real companies could only dream of creating. Can Tony the Milkman survive the twilight of his career and still find time to care for his wrestling son? Can the Denimatrix overcome the vicious apex and achieve total denimation? Can brothers Golden Joe and Silver Bro coexist this is a tag team before they combust. Find out now with the wrestling show that everyone's talking about. No Rolls Bard is available wherever you get your podcast and only presented on the WrestleTalk Podcast Network. Tom Phillips was on commentary because uh, Vic Joseph and Wade Barrett weren't there and Beth Phoenix was joining him. Um, we started out pretty much like ready for the battle royal everyone was in the ring except candace who got her own entrance we saw candace backstage attack tegan knox which i thought was brilliant mm. um finally like she... finally some tea yeah exactly this is and also looks yeah finally something for tegan to be upset about <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what fair enough like um i feel like all of tegan tegan's acting 
injured is quite good until she starts screaming my knee as if we didn't not, know it's not like the you've bees. not the not, bees. <laughs> not the two things that you've broken consistently um but this was really really good when like i thought it was great the way they sort of did that like you saw candace standing over her and tegan like and kind of sort of like maniacally laughing to herself tegan screaming and as the referee runs in the camera follows in to be like what's happening and the referee's like what's wrong and she's like my knee and it's like as if that wasn't obvious and then <laughs> boosh, with the <laughs> flight case <laughs> that was really really cool i no thought one, it was like no one saw candace come no but that's the viciousness the other side of the room just getting yeah. the scene going that is the absolute viciousness i want to see from this version of candace Lorray. Right. like you know this is she she and I think it was, I think this all paid off brilliantly in the Battle Royal, which we'll go into in a second. But like, this is kind of, it should be meaning something to her to to have been sort of browbeaten by being the best friend of all these people for so long and wanting the championship that badly that she's willing to chuck anyone under the bus to do it. Like, I thought that was great. Rhea obviously got her full entrance. Rhea gets her full entrance on a run-in. It doesn't matter. Rhea <laughs> always gets an entrance. Um, and then, so like the, the story of the match was that Rhea and Raquel Gonzalez were just two really big women. And uh, these jobber names made me roar. I've got a list of all of them. It's amazing. Ellie. Gia, Raven, Avery, yeah. Rita. Catalina, just absolute boilerplate. Create I'm sorry, but also you can't have another wrestler called Raven. There's already you've already had a Raven. What are you playing at? Like, not even like Raven something. Like Raven, another name. Like Raven's her first name and then another surname. It's just she's just Raven. You can't do that. (laughs) I would love it. Luke's gonna. Luke's gonna. Luke's going to crap himself. I was trying to look for a polite way to say that. Luke, yeah, Luke's going to throw a fit when he hears about that. <laughs> smirching the name of Raven. <laughs> um, yeah, I, this was it was a lot of fun, though. Like, it was a little bit clumsy and a little bit slow, especially as they worked their way through the myriad jobbers they brought in for this match. Um, there was a really sort of clunky elimination of uh, Casey Catanzaro where she flopped to the floor on her back and her feet didn't touch. And it, that was like, I mean, Aaliyah was involved. It was a little bit uh, fraught. And then Katanzara did a brilliant bit where she's like, my feet haven't touched. And then did a rock. She rolled through from there into a handstand and just like hopped back in because she did something in the women's Royal Rumble that time, the Kofi spot. And uh, well, there's also the Naomi spot, but yeah, they've just given it to Casey Katanzara now, which was a lot of fun. Um, like Ninja Warrior, like she could probably, there's some, yeah, I, I love that she, yeah, she had like a whole bunch of them. The one where she was like wobbling around on the, she, she'd been pushed on, somehow got onto the barricade. I don't know, because they sort of cut around it. Like we basically came back from the break and found out that Casey Catanzaro was on the barricade. And they were like, she's almost in the match. And then she climbs up the barricade and like holds onto the plexiglass. And there's a few moments where obviously it's got a lot of flex to it. And she almost went about five times. And she went, Um, and then so she jumps, she jumps onto the uh, steps and Indy Hartwell kicks her back onto the barricade. She then calls out to Caden Carter, who like reaches out across the, um, across the precipice, having got onto the apron. And uh, she just gets dumped by, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Gonzalez at that Probably point. Gonzalez, yeah. Oh no, it was, yeah, it was Gonzalez. Yeah, she just knocks her out. And then um, Caden gives uh, Casey a lift back into the match, which is quite Thank nice. You. But it Thank looked like, it looked like Casey had really tweaked her ankle though, when she jumped onto the steps because she almost slipped off as she jumped on. And then like, like it looked like her left ankle went and then she was like hobbling a little bit as she got back in the ring. She didn't last long after that. No, um, he's done her spots, bye now. What, yeah, what I thought, what I didn't like, this whole match felt like it was building up to this moment in which Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez were gonna go off on each other. And it really felt like it was like, you know, they were sort of matching each other elimination for elimination and completely controlling the match. I don't think they played it as well. Like we've seen it better in other sort of multi-person matches where the two people who you want to see fight and they keep them away from each other. Here, it really just felt like Rhea and Gonzalez were working around each other. And there wasn't that sort of like, they're trying to get to each other, but all these little pests and irritants keep getting in their way. So they're like, bye Raven. See you later, Ellie. Goodbye, Gia. Uh, Susan. 
And then See you, you and later, then, Sandra. <laughs> yeah, Karen, get out of here. <laughs> and so they build up to that moment where like those two people will eventually face off. And here we got that where they they sort of they immediately clashed in the center of the ring and then immediately got each other eliminated. And I don't know whether yeah. it, felt, it felt a bit botchy. I don't I don't know if that was the intention or not, but it felt like they were meant to sort of roll onto the apron and something was meant to happen, but it kind of they just went over and Gonzalez just went and hit the floor yeah. and Maria just had to go too. I was wondering if they were going to do like they get on the apron and then Dakota just kicks them both off. Like I, I would that would have, be fun because Dakota is immediately there, being just like, ooh, I don't think this was meant to happen. Uh, who who knows? I I, I they, they didn't exactly have a Rock Austin in the Rumble '01 moment mm. or a Hogan uh, Warrior thing. Difficult when you when you've got inorganic fans. Um, but like they had a little bit of a throwdown, like it, enough to make me still want to see that match. I'm, I'm, oh, I do want to see that match. Yeah, I just I think like, and I think the sort of the bungling, um, which I'm assuming must have been like uh, something didn't quite go right on the elimination because then they sort of both popped up and there wasn't that heat and that passion in that moment. It felt like they were both a little bit thrown from what they should have been doing. So when they were trying to get in each other's faces, the referees were almost a little bit like too slow to get in between them. And then so they had to hold themselves back for a bit. Like there was just a little bit of tension here. Um, it's a shame because, yeah, I like I think Gonzalez and Rhea, Rhea somehow managed to have three consecutive people on the go of like, I really want to see that happen. And obviously she's now ticked off Mercedes Martinez or Wingnut or whatever she's going to be called on, whatever she's going to be called when she's in retribution. But like, yeah. And, and thwomp. Gonzalez was the next one to do like thwomp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Piranha plant is what her name will be. <laughs> um, I, yeah. I, I, I did like this. And then I think it was a good choice, though, because I think it left a really interesting field of people for the finale of this match. You had Lorraine, Dakota Kai, you had Shotzi Blackheart, and you had uh, Casey Catanzaro for a very, very short period of time. Um, Candice and Dakota teamed up to take out Casey, which I thought was really cool. They, sort of jumped, they dumped her on the apron uh, and then Dakota came in with one of her like running kick like face wash kicks to the face knocked her off um and then it sort of ended up being a bit of a brawl Shotzi managed to get Dakota Kai tipped out um and then Candice and Shotzi had this brilliant little exchange and I thought mm. it was really really good where they like they ended up either side of the post um and Shotzi rams Candice's leg into the post as she just sort of kick round it and knocks her down onto the steps. And Candice stumbles all the way to the bottom of the steps and Shotzi puts her foot on her and starts pushing. And you get this really brilliant little bit of camera work from the NXT crew of like Candice's foot slipping ever yeah, so slightly off the edge of the steps. And then she, she rams Shotzi into the post, flips over and then sort of monkey flips her off the steps Shotzi just takes this huge tumble and slap onto yeah, the floor it's really painful oh I love this I thought that that was such a cool finish it was so like um it was so differently told to like uh, most finishes to battle royals where normally the final two competitors do just end up on the apron having a slug fest and then someone wins like I liked uh it showed Candice is quite crafty it showed that um maybe Shotzi's a little bit sort of you know, there's sort of maybe she's too ruthless sometimes in terms of like she was maybe showboating a little bit in, in the way she wanted to go for the victory. And Candice, who's a wily veteran, takes advantage of that and gets the win. And also it's like it's not cheap. It doesn't cheapen Candice's win here either. Like hmm. it was clever and cunning, uh, but it also made Candice look like a good wrestler and really smart. She didn't cheat to win this match. She did just survive all the way through. And that makes her a really strong challenger for Io Shirai. Um, which I think really is good great call as well. Um, good, re- good choice in terms of like stuff you can put together at the last minute. Uh, Candice versus EO, yeah, right, the right choice. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it set up uh, Gonzalez Ripley. Um, Dakota had a had a bit of fun, like Dakota and Casey got to be in the final four, which really good for Casey Catanzaro. Like, again, slow, let's build her slowly, but like little things like this are really important. And yeah, it could have been They can only build her slowly now, Adam. It's been years. She's been in NXT for like a year and a half. (laughs) I don't know. Look, it hasn't been her time yet. But um, (laughs) yeah, like Blackheart after her brilliant showing last week, uh, which got a lot of people really, you know, 
buzzed on her. That could have mm-hmm. gone to her very, very easy. So it was a nice, tense moment that wasn't spoiled for me like the main event was. It's good to work for a wrestling company. Mm. Uh, yeah, main event was sport for me, but this one wasn't. And I was, it was a genuine little nail biter. Uh, love the shot of Candice on the steps with Shotzi on the floor. Really well framed shot. Some of the thumbnail for mm. this video. Um, um, yeah, great yeah. stuff. Gonna, gonna be a great match. Well done. Yeah, so Johnny comes out to celebrate and it's announced, it was announced earlier, but they, they just make it clear on commentary that Johnny is going uh, up against Damian Priest at TakeOver, which is another match one. I really want to see. Yeah. But also, like, this is a really good, like, last minute to hang something off. This is a thread that's been dangling in NXT for ages, that the Garganos want to be the first ever co-married like couple champions in NXT. And you can just hotshot that straight into, like, one of the prime storylines in NXT for a week. And it doesn't feel too cheap when you got, you know, you've got this tape and you, you, you realize that like kind of, it'll be interesting to see the depths that they're going to go to and like how far they'll sink in order to sort of make that come true at takeover. Because I, you know, I can't imagine um, both of them are losing their matches or at least, you know, you kind of hope because yeah, I feel like one of them's going to definitely help the other one to to conquer. Like you don't want to see the guy. Gar- I, I don't want to see the Garganos just sort of uh, washed out on the first attempt at this thing because I think this right. is like you know I I think it could be one of the more interesting stories in NXT that they've got. Like I, I do really feel like those two with the belts turning the obnoxiousness up to eleven could be really fun. And I also wonder if that's why they've just given Damian Priest a really quick series of wins mm. over the last couple of weeks. I don't know. Be interesting to see. Anyway, then Priest gets interviewed backstage. He says, um, you know, uh, Johnny Takeover, it's a really huge deal to be taking him on at Takeover. But as good as he is, his reign of infamy isn't coming to an end. And then he talks about Austin Theories. He says his record is not relevant to his talent. Um, and then as he's leaving, he's like, Sarah, you're really good at this. I had fun. I'll see you tonight at the after party. <laughs> Slipping yeah. in a bit of lech at the end. Yeah, a little, little oh, tiny yeah. little DM slide. Delightful. Um, <laughs> I've got to just realise what's coming next. It's oh, Will- yeah. William Regal calling Fandango a twat. Yeah. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure he said tit, but it's the way that someone else said something else. It's just, yeah, Fandango's dressed as Sherlock Holmes. He says, no English accent. And he just looks it up and down and says, you look like a... And then he says, something that began with T and something that ended with T. I'm sure he said tit, but someone else said something that really made it sound like William Regal said, you look like a twat, which really, really made me laugh. I went back and rewatched it three times, and I'm pretty sure it's I uh, love I thought this this was this was quite fun to be fair. Like so yeah, Fandango's basically dressed as Sherlock Holmes and trying to work out for some reason, they were trying to work out their own challenges for TakeOver. And he said his idea was to have Danny Birch and Roderick Strong team against Raul Mendoza and Fabian Eichner. And then the winners of that tag match that happens tonight, will their respective teams will face off next week to decide who's going to go up against Brizango at TakeOver. Uh, everyone was very confused about what that was because obviously Dango explained it in uh, Dangoisms. Confusing. <laughs> uh, it's really simple. Yeah, it was, but it was like he did explain it in sort of uh, a riddle. It wasn't he didn't he didn't say that because obviously he's also given everyone nicknames as he went round. Uh, what was it? Los Gatos? He keeps calling uh, Legado. <laughs> I really like the fact that William Regal needed it translating, but he got it translated into sort of like Cockney English by Tony <laughs> Birch. So he was just like, "All right, okay," uh, which I that again made me giggle. Probably not something that our American fans loved as much as, as I did, but yeah, it was really fun. What a fun little segment. segment. Yeah, it was it was really yeah, this was this was good. And it set up something it set up a, a good little match for later in the night and is is also an interesting way to um build something into takeover. At least there's sort of stakes now on a weekly basis leading into takeover. We then got Tomasa Champa versus Jake Atlas. Mm, um mm, let down. Yeah. Let down by this. It was, I, it was a shame because, like, I, I I thought they were going to really build something, but like, I I have some questions uh, about the finish of this match. Go um, for it. Uh, why did he take his knee pad down? Because he had hot knees. <laughs> he had hot. He had a hot knee, and he needed to air it before he hit the fairy tale ending. Like, I thought it was a fine match. Uh, Widow's Bell. As soon as he didn't pin for the Widow's Bell, I was like, okay, cool. The point of the match now. 
Like mm-hmm. he's got the he's got the win, but he's gonna do something else, something dastardly, something horrible, and then he hits a kind of weaker version of the Tyler driver. Yeah. Like he takes his knee pad down, doesn't do anything with his knee, and then hits a much weaker looking version of the fairy tale ending. And everyone's just be like, oh my God, can you believe the depths of depravity? He, I wonder he, if he something happened. Move on him. Yeah. I really wonder if something happened because like the, yeah, the, he obviously hits the Willow's Bell and then he takes his knee pad down and is thinking, obviously thinking about a running knee to Jake Atlas's face and then decides he doesn't want to do that. And then he goes for the fairy tale ending, a move where he normally drops them on their front and Jake Atlas twists in the air to land on his back and not on his face. So I wonder if there was something that happened with Jake Atlas's face essentially during the match Maybe where they were just like I don't know. not the money maker uh like i don't i don't know i don't know what it was but yeah that just kind of read to me like because it, it really felt like champa was on the script when he took the knee pad down and then he was just like actually i'm not going to do that and the sort of swerved from it mm. it felt like it, that's the thing is like whatever happened this this sort of lacked the impact that i was expecting from it like i, I really like the sort of build into that moment where a fired up jake atlas sort of takes it to Maso champa but he's obviously very wily and keeps being him down um and yeah like jake goes for that one big one show of athleticism too far and that's what sort of cuts him down because he goes for that cartwheel ddt out of the corner and champa just kicks his arm out from underneath him hits him with the willows bell and then you yeah, get the cover. And I like the kind of going for the cover and just being like, no, no. You think you're hungry? Get up. Like, And that also the get up thing also suggests that he's going to knee him in the face, right? Like, get up, get on your knees, because I'm going to run and I'm going to run and hit you in the face. That all felt, yeah. So I do just wonder if something happened with Jake Atlas here that just had to change, they had to change that finish at the last second, um, which, yeah, unfortunately made it lack the impact. It wasn't. You know what? What Champa did in the first match was more, far more severe than anything that happened in this oh, match, yeah. and this doesn't feel like a continuation. Then it feels like a sort of it's a watered down version of what we've already seen before. Like if this was going to be truly, um, we need to see just how depraved Tommaso Champa has become. This should be where he goes overboard. Like how? How? And I don't. And I don't know how much further you can go from like, you know nailing someone in a, with a slingshot underneath the ring and then also hitting somebody like with a DDT off a stretcher while they're in a neck brace. Like, I don't know what else you can do, but maybe they should have tried to find it because, yeah, this this particular finish didn't really add up to anything much. Um, and I don't want to see them continue this for just another round of, you know, Jake Atlas does really feel like sort of something to just give Tommaso Ciampa heat. And I don't feel like it's a feud. I just feel like it, you know, Jake Atlas is just fueling heat for Ciampa and he doesn't need heat really. Um, Cause he's Tommaso, he's Tommaso damn Ciampa. I'm just looking up the sort of the comments on the video to see if anyone has like a little bit of insight uh, under it. And basically, yeah, there's a, the top comment is Ciampa. Kyle isn't going to save you. Security isn't going to save you. No one is going to save you. Delivers modified fairy tale ending. <laughs> just like, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. And he thought that and he thought that was enough. Maybe that maybe that was the maybe the nuance was in his eyes of like, you don't even deserve the knee to the face, Jake Atlas. And we just didn't read it correctly. I don't know. Tomasa Champ is a wrestling genius, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> this let me down. We then got a little Ridge Holland package. Uh talk about him from being from Yorkshire. Ridge yeah. like the beef crisps. Uh yeah, and he clips of him playing rugby and, and being Brutal in the ring. Rich Holland's beef crisp. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would definitely. <laughs> oh lord, that's fun. Well, that, that's that's what he does now. That's 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 his new job. <laughs> anyway, yes, that was fun. He's a big lad. He's yeah. I don't. I he's caught no, like it. Just feels like a sort of uh, grab bag for a want of a better word of uh, tropes, Yorkshire tropes and Northern influence. And it, you know, it's fine. Uh, he needs a bit more to him, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get that as we go along. Uh, we then got a really cool package for the Gauntlet Eliminator match, which obviously all over it. And my only note for it is I love Cameron Grimes. I love the fact that he's always hanging around by the river, like he's Huckleberry Finn. Like <laughs> he's, he's just cut off a raft. And he's going to the moon. <laughs> Does he know what the moon is? I'm I'm starting to I'm starting to think that he actually doesn't know what the moon is. I no, think he I might think... be 
chops or something like that. He's got a grasp of it. I think in the same, he thinks it's made of cheese. So he just thinks he'll, he thinks he'll eat forever. That's what he thinks. <laughs> I'll never go hungry again to the moon. <laughs> Silly. The man is a Burke. I love it. He's great. He's so good. Uh, we then got the match between um, the team of Roderick Strong and Danny Birch versus Fabian Eichner and Raul Mendoza. I really liked this. Um, the Most of the match was built to a really good hot tag on Roderick Strong side of things. Uh, Birch really got it sort of got worked over for a lot of it. But there were some really cool, fun little blind tag spots as well where Eichner got this blind tag. And as he ran through the ring, he just ran past Danny Birch, nailed Roderick Strong off the uh, apron and then beat up Birch. But then as he's sort of throwing Birch around, Birch accidentally sort of gets flops back into a blind tag from Roddy. And then Roddy comes in and does sort of the inverse of that for a very long time with more backbreakers. Like this was one of the, Roderick Strong on a hot tag is fire. He's magic, isn't he? He's to be a little bit more face than usual as well, which um, it, are, are they turning all of Undisputed Era face? Because yeah, him and Danny Birch had a bit of a, <clears throat> bit of a kind of like a, you know, moment of respect with each other. So uh, mm. yeah, maybe, I'm not sure. Uh, it, it's not nearly as conclusive as Kyle O'Reilly's uh, face turn, but uh, nor Adam Cole's. But yeah, uh, well, because I think Strong's is also like Strong also refused a handshake, and he also um, refused uh, he refused a handshake at the end as well. So they had a little nod, but like Danny Birch was definitely like offering more. So mm. Ronnie was just like, "You get this much from me." That's it. Makes it. Me feel so, like the first step sort of like with maverick and dane or is that just roddy's an asshole it might just be that roddy's an asshole but uh it seemed, he seemed like less of an asshole than last week when he was calling killian dane a fat dork so <laughs> yeah we'll just like, have to we'll have to see what happens when because i'm assuming it's going to be strong and fish going up against uh birch and lorkin next week so we'll have to see how they are presented in that moment because i think it'd be quite interesting to do for takeover like Undisputed Era versus uh, Brizango, and then Kyle in the main event against Finn and Adam Cole left off a takeover card, mm. uh, kind of stewing in his juices um, over the fact that you know he used to be the champion and now he can't even get on a takeover. Um, and it'd be really I, like I, I do think the we'll talk about it in a second, but like how fascinating it will be what they do with Kyle here. Um, Spoiler for what we're going to talk about in a minute. Uh, we then got, so the match ends with um, Mendoza goes up top and he gets nailed on the top rope. Roddy hits the sick kick to uh, Eichner to take him out. And then Danny hits a top rope cutter and rolls up Mendoza for one, two, three. Good little match. Some great little work between all of them. I think Eichner and Mendoza really had good tag team chemistry here as well. Like I thought they worked really well together. Um, and obviously Roderick Strong's hot tag is something to behold. Uh, we then got Austin Theory backstage working out, and he said um, he was just basically chatting Austin Theory stuff of being really good all day, etc. All day. Uh, and then Johnny Gargano comes in and says, why are you bugging this kid before his match, Sarah? However, if Theory, if you do fancy softening up Damian Priest before takeover for me, I will not forget it. Uh, I thought this was good work from Johnny. Um, Austin didn't really know what to say to that. No, he, he was like, just sort of like, okay, okay. I, I haven't been I given remember. a line, and I, and I will not make one up. Goodbye. <laughs> end of scene. He just said he basically he basically just said end scene, and then it did end. Uh, but the match against Priest was great. Like so, mm. that was that what came directly after this. Um, Theory really got a lot in. I thought as well. Like he, you know, he he was given some good time. I think they're going to really build something with Theory. But uh, this was all about the sort of fire under priest the this kind of like almost dormant rage inside of him there was some really like there were some really brutal moments that he took early in the match that i think built this sort of build at the end where he just went crazy um i don't know why priest keeps going for his crazy springboard thing that he does his like springboard inverse flip back into the ring because every time now he gets pushed outside and it looks increasingly worse every single time for his <laughs> back as he clatters off the apron here it was awful um there was a, but the, i think my favorite moment was this moment where like the theory cocky kid gets in priest's face and he says i should be the champ and priest just screams and nails him with his clothesline uh, forcing him back into the corner, does the big like uh, bow and arrow 
symbol and then runs in with a leaping elbow and then does a tossing falcon arrow that sends theory halfway across the ring like see ya um yeah. so good he's really cut like he i think he's really come into his own and i uh, yeah it's a it's kind of a shame that i want to i do want to see johnny gargano win the north american title uh at takeover next week but like i do really feel like Damian Priest has become something like he's he's finally found his footing and become like the whole package that he was always meant to be in NXT. Because I think when he first debuted, he was so it was so uh, vague, mm. the kind of Archer of Infamy character. And when it was heel, it didn't really work. And I think this sort of like party animal sort of face is really good. It's really I mean, fun. He gets to have more matches and he gets to win more. And it's like he's he's he moves a lot more excitingly than he does now. He doesn't have the specter of Baron Corbin lurking all over him. But like, yeah, I mean, for for one that's been billed very straight, like not strangely, but sort of like last minute. Like it's very mm. much like, oh, by the way, there's a takeover. Uh, uh it's you know, the three the three matches that we've got are pretty rock solid. Oh, um, um I assume something's gonna happen next week. Because uh, it it would be weird if Adam Cole and Champa both had nothing to do on Takeover, so maybe I don't know. Mm. Uh, in the, for a placeholder match, you know, that just to bulk out Takeover, you could do a lot worse. Um, but yeah, like uh, it's it, the three matches that we've got. I am I'm dead excited for. I'm a bit like you. I could it's see... Cole McAfee too, by the way. <laughs> takeover <laughs> one week build. Uh, it's. I'm a bit like you. I could see both Garganos winning. I could see one Gargano winning and the other one kind of getting a little bit kind of frustrated by that. I could Candice see Candice winning and Johnny being annoyed. Mm-hmm. There's money see, in that. I could see both Garganos losing and that finally making them up their game and you know, to, to rather than spaghetti based villainy, but more like the you know, the shipping crate based villainy that we've seen, and then maybe they they fulfill the prophecy. Because I think it, you're, you're right, it is a prophecy that should be fulfilled because a power couple dripping in gold and smug, r- like nesting at the top of the card, is great. Uh, it's a really fun story, I haven't really seen it in NXT, so they should do it. Whether or not they do it at this takeover, we're not sure. It's a really unpredictable, um like pair of matches the main events not so much but re- although who knows? Who knows? you can live it you do live in hope um so this match like ended basically um they brought to the outside and they were going for like a really nasty looking apron spot priest did this brilliant bit where he spun out of a move and then spun back in with this cyclone kick like like a lovely uh double pirouette there and then hit the razor's edge onto the apron yeah. rolls theory back into the ring and then just screaming hits the reckoning and picks up the victory brilliant stuff as he's posing for his uh just to celebrate with the title johnny runs in and nails him and it's then so poses good. over him and it's does so the good. arrow sign great super little build out, super kick out of the darkness was lovely mm. um yeah very much a uh, bit more, bit more put together, like a bit more kind of like just slapped together at the last minute than Io and Candice, because obviously there's history there. But even even so, like just Johnny Johnny Gargano brings a weight of expectations with him, especially with a takeover that just it it does kind of satisfy. Uh, where there's not a lot of storytelling, it's just the idea of Johnny Takeover versus someone on Takeover. It it comes with its own sort of like anticipation and it smooths over a lot of the cracks in the story line. oh yeah there's a real there's a real power to that like you know johnny is the sort of person you can just go he's having a match on takeover and that gives it immediate stakes and then, you know him and priest do have um a little bit of history like throughout their time in nxt they have been in a lot of feuds over the north american title they just haven't had many chances to go one-on-one so i think this is like this could be something really, really interesting that we get to see. And like I'm saying, I hope it I hope it fulfills the prophecy of the Garganos with all the gold, because I just think that will be really funny. Mm. I just think that's a that's a really powerful uh story to tell in NXT. And they've got a lovely the little package about they would have eating the dinners they would have eating their food off their off their respective <laughs> titles. <laughs> yeah. The, the little dog will get his own little belt as well, I guess. Yay. Yay. That makes Adam happy. Right, then we got a swerve package. He talked about uh, having two pinfalls over Santos Escobar and saying, let's do it again. No Legado del Fantasma on your side. No gimmicked masks. Just me and you one-on-one. I wonder if that's going to be a uh, takeover match or whether that's just going to be like NXT straight after takeover because they quite like to put a few good matches on that. Whatever happens, I'm really excited to see it. Um, 
We then got Ridge Holland and his beef crisps versus Antoni, uh, yeah, Antonio De Luca, uh, which was a, a complete squash, as you would imagine. Uh, Ridge just nails him with a series of headbutts in the corner, which did look really brutal. And then he hits his finisher, which is called Northern Grit. It's a power slam, right? I mean, it's sort yeah. of like a power slam driver. It's a scoop so it slam, kind of. Scoops. Yeah. It's a sit-out scoop slam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he tips his little cap, and then he wanders off into the night because he's got business to attend to. <laughs> got to see a man about <laughs> a dog. Yeah, I've got, it's got to go bet on the dogs. That's what I've got to go do. Uh, yeah, he, he's fine, Ridge Holland. He just needs some more screen time to make more of him because, yeah, I think... Maybe in America, he maybe to the US audience, he seems sort of more of a character. But I guess to a UK viewer, he kind of just looked, it's very generic. Like the whole Peaky Blinders thing, I think even ran its course here five years ago. Um, so yeah, it feels a little bit outdated. Um, and then also just doing like, we're just really going to double down on the northernness of this character as well. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, just like... It comes out to Wonderwall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just it's the wrong side of the north, but it's fine. Starts smearing mud on his face, <laughs> yeah. chomping on a bit of coal like it's an apple. Ah, <laughs> oh, bless him. Uh, yeah, I, I want to see more of him because I think he's like he's clearly incredibly gifted. Uh, and I, yeah, I just I would like to see more made of it. Uh, we then got Ia Shrine interview backstage saying, "I don't like Candice. I never have, and I never will." She, she, she has True. liked. You did like Candice at one point. Did they she? were friends. Yeah, they were friends before uh, she turned on Candice. Oh, her, yeah. her heel turn was cemented by attacking Candice. Right. Um, yeah. Candice runs in and says, oh, this is where you've been hiding. Glow, 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 glow. And then Priest walks in and goes, ah, Johnny. Boof. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and the whole point of this is to set up a, uh, <clears throat> a tag match for next week, which... Seems like it'd be it'd be interesting to see Io Shirai and Damian Priest tagging together. It'll be more interesting to see the Garganos tagging together. I think, um, and I think it could really set. Obviously, will we'll set the tone for what happens at Takeover. We then jump straight into the Gauntlet Eliminator match with Kushida and Kyle in the ring. When Kushida and Kyle did their four minutes of mat-based wrestling, I bloody loved it. Mm, I was really like, this sexy. is just like was, straddling each other and being just yeah, like, ooh, like ooh, cartwheels. No, ooh, not you. Oh, me, ooh, tease. Oh, you tease. Ooh, <laughs> My ankle. How dare you? Um, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I really like I think they they are both so dynamic, like they're such dynamic wrestlers that they can make something like that seem really important. I think that's the same, like obviously Thatcher is that same sort of thing. And I wonder if that's why they got rid of Kushida so early in this match because Thatcher was next in and it would have just been, although so Thatcher was in after Bronson Reed, it would have just been like too many mat technical guys. Yeah. Everyone just rolling around on the floor, like like a sort of a yoga class that's gone off the rails. Um, I, I, yeah, I didn't like um, your man running in and uh, knocking out Kushida. I feel like it doesn't really do much for Kushida to put him in a feud with Velveteen Dream. I think Velveteen Dream, as we've said before, is still a little bit uh, problematic in NXT. Um, not just like, not, you know, obviously not saying that we, there's anything you can, obviously everything's been reported about him and there has been no uh, formal charge or anything like that. But I just think it raises too many questions. And I think the, what was brilliant about what they did with Kushida attacking Dream was it really felt like they were going to go somewhere with Kushida. And now mm. it seems like maybe it's just to give an edge to Velveteen Dream when he comes back. I don't know. Um, I, I was also gunning for Kushida to win this match. I would have loved to see Kushida versus Finn Balor at TakeOver. I'm happy with the finish. But uh, yeah, like, so there's a point where they sort of get, uh, Bronson Reed goes up for the tsunami and they nail him on the on the top and they sort of push O'Reilly out to the outside and as Kushida sort of recovering from that, Dream runs in, hits a Dream Valley driver, which gives Bronson Reed a chance to hit the tsunami and pick up uh, the one, two, three, knocking Kushida out. Then uh, Thatcher runs in, um, and then we sort of went straight into a break after Thatcher. Thatcher arrived, like marched down to the ring really like forcefully, got knocked off by Bronson Reed. And then we came back from the break and it was eight seconds till Cameron Grimes came in. And it's like, like, oh, okay, we have missed a match. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. So <clears throat> Timothy Thatcher, you're not, you're not the most important person in this match, are you, Timothy? Uh, it was, yeah, that, I, that was a shame. It was a weird bit of programming. I felt like you could have at least got a minute of Thatcher doing some doing some stuff because like people don't really care about the timings 
don't mm. care. And he, like, yeah, and he missed his big like you know. You, when you come into a match, you normally get your moment of like, here's my one minute of really cool moves where I get to sort of make my mark. And he just literally got cut off by Bronson Reed. And I'm assuming stayed on the floor for four minutes. I don't know. Uh, but the match really picked up when Cameron Grimes arrived, I think. Like Grimes was the sort of uh, the speed and the dynamism that this match sort of needed after Kushida was taken out of it because it, suddenly it went into a different gear oh, as he so arrived. Cool. Uh, he this j- hallway was everything to me. Like one, like guess, ah, NXT of old really, really liked it. It was just people flinging moves about the place. It was, mm-hmm. it was brilliant stuff. Like, and I love that Grimes comes in and he sort of uh, takes out the whole gang with this dive, and then he hits a moonsault, and then he jumps over the top rope, and he hits a penalty kick on the apron, and then uh, basically Bronson Reed did that like big toss on the uh, apron with Grimes, like catapulted. Grimes outside. Used him as a weapon. I thought it was really oh, and you know, it's something that Reed was doing throughout the match was using basically beating them to death with their own kind. He like threw Kashida into Kylo Riley, then he threw, you know, he catapulted Cameron Grimes and <laughs> which looked even worse was I think he just hoyed Thatcher and just slammed him down into Grimes. It's just like it's exactly it's brilliant kind of booking of him as the Colossus. You know, he's he's so big, he's able to use wrestlers as weapons. I think that's really, really fun, uh, really fun agent thing on, on him. And they did well to build around him as well here. I think they, they did really smart work with having uh, Kyle and Thatcher wearing him down. And then Grimes comes in as like the sort of wily one who's always trying to take advantage of that. So any moment that Kyle and Thatcher put each other down, Grimes would run in and hit like a gut wrench suplex on someone and then almost like run away. Um, and they finally got Reed out because Reed misses a tsunami. And then Kyle comes flying off the top with a knee, lands on top of him, pins him. Uh, they got, how did they get Thatcher out? Um, oh, it was a roll-up. They, 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 so Kyle and Thatcher were sort of trading roll-ups. And then Kyle eventually managed to roll Thatcher up for a one, two, three. And as he pops up, Grimes runs in with this beautifully timed cave-in. And you think, oh my God, it's all over. And Kyle puts his foot on the ropes. And then this little exchange that was certainly, you know, only a couple of minutes long, really, between Grimes and Kyle was brilliant like mm. this was so good like i i this was the point where i sat forward in my chair like oh come on kyle i really want to see you go to take over kyle um and then yeah grimes was talking uh crap about kyle saying that you know adam cole was the only man of the group and kyle does this reverse dragon screw on grimes's knee that looks like utterly brutal mm. and then the, the final moment comes as grimes jumps up for the cave in he misses and he crumples down on that that leg that's just taken that move great bit of storytelling great work by kyle o'reilly who then just rolls into him wraps him up in a heel hook and grimes has to tap that is so good yes. kyle o'reilly winning this match was everything to me by the end of it i was just <laughs> like, i just want to see it happen um and yeah, like my next note is effing yes. And then Roderick <laughs> Strong and Adam Cole come out and they celebrate with Kyle and Finn walks out onto the ramp and they have the big stare down to close the show. I cannot wait to see what they do with Kyle O'Reilly because yeah, this is one, this is really going to cement his face turn, I think. I wonder if it's going to be the thing that pushes him out of the Undisputed Era as well because I think I think they're going to try and help and I think they're going to mess it up. Uh, and that's why Finn's going to, pull out the victory here or Adam Cole's going to get jealous of Kyle being in this position and that might be the story they tell going into this because we've got one more week of programming as well before Kyle takes on Finn and I think he's going to get some coaching from Adam Cole I want that that's the that's the like one of the reasons to tune in for next week for me is to see Adam Cole talking with Kyle O'Reilly about this because I really I'm not sure where they're going to go with it I'm really excited because if it if it leads to Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly take me away but i uh yeah i'm i'm really really looking forward to it like yeah um like you know you can really make someone in a gauntlet match turns out turns out kofi mania wasn't just a one-off fluke uh it 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 demonstrates guts and fortitude in a way that promos can't uh and yet starting um putting himself through hell eliminating most of the field um yeah what what a what a brilliant performance by Kyle O'Reilly. Just a reminder of what makes him a unique competitor as well. Mm-hmm. Um, pick the perfect opponents to kind of make him shine. It's like seeing him being able to chop down Bronson Reed, seeing him do a unique offense with Kushida, like both kind of like 
both people sort of like finding each other across a crowded room being just like mm. where have you been all my life uh, and then yeah him and Cameron Grimes like working that kind of character stuff yeah I loved it well done really really good booking um doesn't quite feel like a takeover main event just yet but that's okay because um, we've got one more week to kind of build to that and honestly like takeovers shouldn't just be here's the big stars it should be the platform to make the big star and i think honestly if if booked right kyle o'reilly steps out of takeover 31 looking like the next big thing and i can't wait to see it i really can't Do you like quizzes? Do you like wrestling? Do you like watching self-professed experts in their fields being exposed as dangerous frauds? Then you'll love Quizzlemania, brought to you by Parts Fun Known, the team behind acclaimed wrestling RPG No Rolls Barred. Join us every week as four wrestling pundits pit their knowledge against each other in a cerebral wrangle for prizes, glory, and a bit of good old-fashioned escapism. Enjoy the videos live every Wednesday on Parts Fun Known's YouTube channel, or subscribe right now to have them beam straight to your mobile device. Quizzlemania, it's the showcase of the Immorons. Who's got the best kick in wrestling, Adam? <laughs> well, because obviously Kyle O'Reilly's got very good kicks, Dunny. Him and Bobby Fish both are kicky lads. Mm. Um, obviously, you've got the educated feet of uh, Rob Van Dam, but you wouldn't necessarily associate him with kicks, but he does have the educated feet, which mm, Daniel Bryan kicks, kicks a, can kick a man. Um, certainly like, can kick a man. Certainly can kick a man. The Who, young bucks are very good at kicks. They're good at very, they're good at one type. One specific. Kick. Yeah. But I mean, if you, if you've perfected one kick to the point that it's like, <laughs> your theme song uh then build a party around it yeah because like i i would say build a platform on which to stand on i would say that you could pretty conclusively say like when it comes to hands obviously hands being the opposite of feet uh the best the best hands wrestler by by a country mile is is walter like he he is the best at chops it's the big he, show mate it's the oh, big show come along he can knock you out with one behave. punch behave he could kill a hippo with that thing. <laughs> Walter is the best at, at hitting you with his hands. I just want, I look, I just want to know who's the best at, hit, at hitting you with their foot. Who is the best? It's, his name's Alistair Black, and he Ooh, is, he is the best. Isn't Black it, like, Mass is sensational. The Black Mass is a sensational move, but I also, I just think, like, you know, like you've got Kyle and you've got Bobby who are, uh, definitely like martial arts trained in that way and the way they deliver a kick looks awesome like daniel bryan's kicks i think are very wrestling kicks mm. um they're great Hit and i do the think chin. the yes kicks are wicked but yeah i think the sort of precision and the the way that they look when they deliver a kick like kyle and bobby are great but alistair black's got that next level like genuinely looks dangerous when he does it but like kyle o'reilly's got this thing and i, I it, it's when <laughs> it's when he kicks you in the stomach and then he does that thing where he kicks up in the air and then brings the sole of his foot down on the top of the dome it looks so the axe good. kick yeah. oh, it's so good um i think i think i might be a kyle o'reilly he's got the best kicks in wrestling kind of guy they're just like because i remember like when they when they were he was fighting the uh the undisputed era fighting aop i think on takeover i can't quite remember off the top of my head but just like when he's just absolutely leathering AOP in the legs with his kicks, like he's he's so good, and I can't wait to see him and Finn Balor uh, really, really get into it. What I love about Kyle O'Reilly is that I think he's one of the more like unique wrestlers for like for a generic trunks and boots guy in that mm. sense of like you know his gear is pretty like across the board. He doesn't have it. There's not anything really about Kyle's look that says like. This is your character. This is, you know, this is, he's not like a Samoa Joe obviously has a very different build to everyone else or Karrion Cross has this whole unique presentation that, that gives him this sort of air of difference. With Kyle, it's the way he holds himself. Mm. Kyle wrestles like no one else I've seen. Like even like someone like Thatcher, who I think clearly has very similar influences in, and, and the kind of similar mat game. 
the way that Kyle stands all kind of like bunched up and like low and weirdly and the way he sort of moves around the ring it's all like he's really like he he never stands straight he's always got his legs bent slightly like he has just one of the more unique offense sets in wrestling just because of that like he tells a whole he paints a picture of a character just by standing differently i think it's yeah. genius like he's it, so good it's like yeah it's like a, it's like street fighter or something like that he's just one of those characters that has that kind of resting uh, kind of hunched over coiled ready to strike um that's the thing is like he's so like he yeah i know you're right like about his, his sort of his his packaging like he's really expressive like mm. kylo Riley is one of my favorite sellers in wrestling which i mean he's super underrated for it like it's one of my favorite things like genuinely i think again from that aop match on takeover it's, <laughs> it's when aop gets him in like a german suplex and riley o'reilly rolls through and goes and then faints oh, yeah. and falls off screen through the ropes it's one of my favorite cells ever he's so good at like just like going limp and uh, looking like he's completely destroyed. I think there was one where he's just basically running. He was running across the apron, then just collapses and just falls to the ground outside like a dead. There's thing. one where he hits himself in the head with a chair by bouncing it off the ropes in uh, one of the War Games matches. He goes, and he, he's just yeah. He, I think he is like a total package, and I think it's a really good call for NXT if they are going to take him in a singles direction because you know, like obviously any of the undisputed era could be a single star. Roderick Strong was a single star before he joined the Undisputed Era. He wasn't, I don't think he was a very, um, he wasn't clicking with the audience, I think, in the way they intended the, intended him to as a babyface. And I think the heel turn really cemented him, gave him something to sort of hang his character around. And yeah, Roderick Strong as sort of the <laughs> schoolyard bully is a brilliant, is just a brilliant character, like, because he, he's got, there's a level of smugness that comes with his kind of Sesame Street head that, uh, like, you know, <laughs> he does have a Sesame Street. He has Street got a Sesame head. Street face, but like, he's so he's got like a giant head. I love he's he's brilliant, but like, it works better as a heel thing. Um, and I think the same thing with like, you know, Adam. Like, I could see them keeping an undisputed era together. That's Adam Cole, Strong, and Fish, and giving Kyle O'Reilly like a babyface run on his own because. He's definitely the sort of person that I think people would get behind. He's so charismatic. And I think like, you know, Kyle O'Reilly doing the air guitar on his entrances anyway, but doing it as a singles competitor with <laughs> maybe the North American Championship or the old uh, the NXT Championship at some point would be a thing of beauty. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what they kind of give him to kind of hang his faceness on. Because obviously like Ring of Honor, PWG, he was over like Rover in both those places mm -hmm. um, where character is less important. It's more about your acumen in the ring. He's one of the, like you said, he's one of the cleverest, um, most physically gifted wrestlers of this generation, for sure. In terms of just his physicality and, and his ability to be completely posed, know, know exactly what his body is doing. Kind of reminds me of a Daniel Bryan in that sense that he knows exactly, he, like he know like he is total control over his body, which is, phenomenal to watch um he's very compelling as a wrestler i just yeah not sure what his character is in a w in in the wwe lens because he i don't want him to fall into the habit of you know into the trap of being good wrestling man mm -hmm. you know because there have been lots of them um you know like you know finn balor turned into good wrestling man just like look at him he's good he wrestles well and he's a man he's good wrestling man and i hope sometimes he smiles as well with old finn balor that's the other thing he got Oh yeah, of course. Oh, he does, yeah. he does his jack, you know, he pops his collar, does that. But yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I hope that Kyle Riley gets just, just one thing to hang his hat on, and like, because, well, because also because him, 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 Bobby and uh, Roddy have been, you know, gradations of the same character essentially as the lackey in the Undisputed Era. Like they, they haven't, they're not. I don't think they're particularly strong. I think the Undisputed Era really is a character mm. as a group. But individually, no one beyond Adam Cole really has like a. This is a per this is a full this is a full person like yeah. in in that sense they're not three dimensional. I mean, even Adam Cole is just like he's just the boss of that character. They're all just you know smarmy college bros who also happen to be some of the best wrestlers in the world, so they can mm -hmm. back up their awful personalities. <laughs> Do you and, dorks? 
And it's just like, yeah, where does that go? That's the thing is that they're so slimy and obnoxious that the transition from that into face is tricky. Obviously, you know, they are fortunate in the sense that they are, yeah, like I said, some of the best workers. They are, mm-hmm. they are all of them to a man, super workers, which, uh, you know, if, if we did have NXT crowds, uh, probably would be enough. Like, I am so sad that we don't get to see Kylo Riley's face run. Like, I would, seeing that match in front of an actual full sale crowd would have been mind blowing. I think mm. like I like the, I like these crowds, but they like everything. So they, it doesn't, nothing really feels special, you know, like they, they boo all the heels and they cheer all the faces and they have the basically same level of noise throughout, you know, it doesn't matter if it's an indie Hartwell match or the main event, you know, they'll just be raucous. So you don't get that kind of full sail, like when there's something in the air and they, and you can, Oh my God, they're latched behind this one mm-hmm. thing. And you can really feel the crowd psychology just beaming off the screen uh it's a shame we don't get that with kyle o'reilly really really shame because damn he deserves it and i think he could like genuinely i think this gauntlet performance of his in front of a crowd could have been uh one of the highlights of nxt tv but that that is the world we live yeah so i think it'd be it was sort of I, i guess it will now hinge upon if like if they're going to go forward with it and they're going to make him a face, what happens at Takeover in terms of how the Undisputed Era play into the match with Balor? Because I really I'm sort of thinking they're going to cost him the match. Um, but I also just think we need a promo from Kyle at mm. some point because like we we've seen the frustrations with Roddy and Fish as they uh, wail down on people or try and get chairs and bring them into the ring and Kyle sort of you know telling them off half-heartedly at least sort of being like this is too far for me i'm not going to take part in this i'm not necessarily going to stop it either but i'm not going to take part and that moment where he breaks and stops them from going too far will be interesting in of in of itself but i'd really like to hear like why when kyle returned is he now sort of the honorable kyle o'reilly rather than uh the dishonorable member of the undisputed era because there must have been something that they can hang it on in terms of like you know, the reason Kyle wasn't there was obviously because he was more at risk than everyone else in terms of like being in the performance center and stuff. And that's why they had to keep him outside. And they only had those um, psychiatrists office sketches, if you can remember as far back as when they kept putting Roddy in the boot of things, Adam. Do you remember that? You know what it was? You know, it was it was the fact that, you know, he's, he obviously saw the NXT review. Uh, it's a very popular format. Uh, he saw you accusing him of gaslighting uh, Roderick Strong, and he realized exactly what he'd done. He took a long, hard look at himself. He took some time away, uh, and he's decided to grow his beard out and uh, mm-hmm. become a, become a better man. And there's obviously, yeah, and there's all that stuff to hinge it on in terms of the failures of the rest of the Undisputed Era while he was away. You know, they lost their edge. They all have, they've all sort of, you know, been bumbling around doing parking lot brawls with a Velveteen Dream, being put into boots and seeing shadows and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I think Carl's come back with kind of a, a renewed focus on if you just get it done in the ring, that's going to reward you. Mm. And so far it has. So, yeah, I just, I'd love to just hear a bit more from him. Hopefully we will next week. Um that really sort of cements this face turn and gives us sort of that something to hang his, like you said, something to hang his character on, because I think it's good. That's going to be very important if they are going to play up Adam Cole's potential frustrations at not being included on a takeover when maybe the rest of the undisputed era are mm-hmm. um, very interesting time for NXT uh, more to discuss next week on the podcast. Um, but until then you'll have the magazine show tomorrow. You've got SmackDown on Saturday and on Monday, I believe you'll be getting a clash of champions review as well, because that is this weekend. There is all the wrestling all the time. And we've got takeover next weekend too. That is ooh, what Never a treat. Ends. Never ends. What a treat to kick off October, basically. Um, Lovely, lovely stuff. Well, that, that's that's all we've got time for. I've been Laurie Blake. I've been joined by Adam Blompier. Bye. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.